Hello guys, welcome to Movie Geek. This is Carissa Corona. I'm going to throw a little disclaimer. Um, this film that I'm going to be talking about is explicit. I'm not going to say it has too many curse words or anything. I don't think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be reading an article and I don't think she's going to be cussing in that, but it is based off a true story and um, it really did happen and it's pretty vulgar. So if you have young children in the car or you are cooking and you have your podcast out loud, just be mindful of that. I'm going to be talking about something very serious and adult conversation. Um, the movie I went and saw was called Profile. I saw it on Friday night and I've had to process it all weekend. <laughs> um, it's, it's a pretty intense film. Um, I didn't expect it to be that way. I honestly didn't think it was based off true events. I thought it was just going to be a film that maybe was written about that time. Cause I do remember hearing about ISIS. It was in 2014 um, when it was really big, right. You know, and going on in, in America, we weren't really hearing it too often. Um, we were, we had heard of ISIS, but we didn't really know a lot of information like most American um, news streams. They don't tell you the whole story, most of the time, they only tell you what you want to, what they want you to believe, depending on which platform you're you're watching, based off your political views. So that's really how American news casting is is arranged. I don't know how it is around the rest of the world, but in America, you watch a news platform based off your political views, and then they gear that information towards those agendas. Um, we are a very flawed system. Um, so we, we honestly don't, I don't remember a whole lot of information, especially in that time frame, because I, I had a lot going on in my own life. I was pregnant with my daughter and, um, just kind of dealing with life. So I, if it didn't, you know, like the most American thing I can say is if it didn't affect me specifically, um, I didn't pay much attention to it, but to be honest, from reading the article and from, from understanding the film, it does affect us because any person who logs onto a social site, you are affected because that's what this whole film is completely based off of an undercover reporter who creates an online profile, a, a Facebook. Uh, I hope I don't get deemed for saying that nowadays, Facebook will attack you for everything and try to get you get money from you from everything. And I'm not that big of a platform. So hopefully they don't come at me that it is what it is. She creates a Facebook. She has two Facebook. She has her personal Facebook and then this fake Facebook that she creates. And so throughout the movie, you're kind of watching her go back and forth. It's filmed like a, like, um, a first person point of view. Uh, she, you know, it's, it's kind of like a mockumentary, I guess you could say it doesn't, it's not filmed like a, a huge production. There really is only a few like sets, I guess you could say there's her apartment and then the man wherever he is. And it's filmed as if he was holding his Skype, you know, on his phone. It, it, that's kind of how it's created. Um, I had to do a lot of digging to find the real story. Um, 
but the film, I'm going to pull the movie up itself. So the profile movie, um, profile overview, it was made in, it's weird. They're saying it was made in 2018 and supposedly really, so it was created in 2018 and it was pub released to the public uh, May 14, 2021. So it's a really long time to have a film kind of waiting in the in the shadows. It, it did get, it does have ratings, which I don't really, I mean, okay, yeah, that's cool. It's, it got 59% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7 out of 10 on IMDb, and 54% on Metacritic. 75% of Google users watch this film. And it's about an undercover British journalist risks her life by infuriating uh, milita military extremist groups online. And so um, it's based off of the book, who off the actual woman. So the woman herself is named Anna, and I hope I'm saying this correct, Anna Urell. And she's actually not British. She's French. And um, it was her book, In the Skin of a... Uh, Giedis, I think that's how you say it. Um, so the the cast is Shazad Latif, he's Bale, and Valine Kane, who plays Amy Whittaker, who is actually the, the character Anna. Her her in the movie they named her Amy, and then the editor-in-chief is named Christine or is by actress Christine Adams, who is Vic. And then she has a boyfriend in real life um, who is played by Morgan Watkins. And then she has um, an IT person who is working with her. And that character is played by Amir Ramnizadeh. I hope I, I'm really bad with names. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, so there's not really much to say as far as, you know, the movie itself. There's not, you know, I, I just don't feel like it was, it's not, you shouldn't approach it as an entertainment. I think it's more of information and how these things happen. Um, it's not, I would not say this should be rated as far as, oh, I'm going to give it a, an eight out of 10 or 10 out of 10. I, I just wouldn't say that. Um, just because I feel like there's so much more to the film as far as information goes. And I just think that from that aspect, they gave a lot of information and it, and it actually was, I feel, shared so well. It was eloquent. It, it, the way they, they did it um, really brought to life, you know, and um, for me... Um, I, I don't think I've ever said my age on here before, but um, I'm I'm 33, and so I am fairly young. But I still kind of through the early 2000s was a, a late teenager, early young adult, and um, was experience. I was I was aware of a lot of things that were going on. But I does I definitely didn't pay much attention to it. But there were little things that caught my attention. Um, so I do kind of understand this like big boom 
because I my generation is part of that. And, and in the movie, they're the same ages as me. The, the ages are, they're the same age. So these people were kind of going through this, you know, around the same time I was experiencing these things. So in 2006, our world was expanded with online connections through campus pages with a new platform called Facebook. So to, to be kind of clear, we did have the internet, um, but it, it just wasn't as um, expanded as it is now. Um, back then, you know, you didn't use the internet as much because it did take up your phone lines and it was at home only. So if you were not home, you wouldn't necessarily go on you know, it's, you wouldn't go on the internet. There was no reason to. So for the small amount of time that you would actually be home, you know, there was other things to do. So we just didn't live our life online. You know, they want to make it sound like we all just were always online with chat rooms and whatnot, but that's not necessarily true. If you went on a chat room, it was probably for a brief moment and then you would leave um, because you had your life. You know, we, 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 we grew up in a place where you actually connected with your friends. And so my age group going off to college, um, the creator of Facebook, I believe is only like four years older than I am. So he would have been like a senior while we were freshmen in college. So of course he, he created this with his friends, he created this platform which connected people within that college. And I believe it was test tested at his college first in 2004. And then by 2006, it was, it was open to the rest of the world. So the idea was to log into your college portal and connect it with your Facebook and put like, you know, your college in there, and then you would be able to connect with other people at your college. And so you would know like where, what everything was going on, you know, whether there was a party or there was an event or there was some sort of meeting, like it would all be there and you would be able to connect with people in your college and, and possibly even surrounding colleges. So I think that was the intention of Facebook. I mean, I don't really know. There's so many conspiracies out there. But now in 2006, your mom can get on Facebook. And it became more of a platform for people to connect with their family members. And, you know, um, just, you know, it was, it was given this very immature, I guess, naive, I don't really know the right word, but it was it was given you this opportunity to feel like you were safe. Oh, this is a safe platform. It's so cool. I can put my pictures up here. I can, you know, I live in California and I could talk to my cousin who lives in Louisiana now, you know, and I could see her life and I could feel like we're part of each other's life. It's just like it was supposed I think that's the good nature it was supposed to make you feel, but ultimately it turned into something more. Uh, it, it, now the platform has expanded our expectations with forums, chats, friend groups from all over the world, online marketing, and even dating pages, which is so scary to me. I, I didn't even, I don't have a Facebook, you know, so if you guys 
are finding a page with me on Facebook. That's not me. I don't have a Facebook for that reason. I just felt like it was really creepy every time I would talk about something and then the ad would come up like that's just creepy to me. And, you know, it's starting to do that on, on Instagram, which makes sense because it was bought out by Facebook. So I don't know. I'm just not, not a fan. I'm not a fan of Facebook, but someone told me that they have dating apps now or dating pages on Facebook. And I was creeped out. I was like, you don't know these people. And I just think dating sites in, in general are creepy. You're just, me I just feel like you should meet someone organically because at least you know them, you know, uh, and if you want to, if you don't want to meet someone organically, then I don't know. Just, I hope I don't see you end up on one of those serial killer shows. Like I just, just rather Dateline, you know, 2020, like I just, I don't know. I know it works for some people, but I've just, I've heard horror stories and it's just not something I personally want to experience. And, and Facebook's just really creepy to me, but it, 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 the idea is that it's connecting you with people who have common interests. And that's what ends up happening with this character, Anna. She's a reporter and she's on assignment to find ISIS recruiters online. Um, we know that Anna is struggling with money so Anna is not very good at budgeting her money and she's constantly asking for advancements and she's not on staff. So she, you know, she is kind of like a freelance journalist. And so she's not on staff and she has to, um, she has to, uh, to, to basically create as much content as possible, send it to this editor. So eventually she'd become on staff. So this specific assignment pos is, is a possibility for her to become on staff and have more of a permanent, you know, permanent residency with this, with this newspaper, this news, this news um, broadcasting. And so she, she's on an assignment. There was a young lady who was found a video was found of her getting bashed in. And so the idea is trying to wonder why are these young girls being wooed by these um, terrorists and how are, you know, how is it happening? What is it about these people that are attracting the, these young students? And so Anna creates a profile and she begins to um, go on Facebook. So what you see is she goes on Facebook, she like starts liking and sharing all the things that have to do specifically with ISIS. And she is making friends on there, but within minutes, within minutes, she's not even on there very long. She shares a video and she gets a message from someone and it's like those chats at the bottom, you know, uh, I guess on Facebook has like the chats at the bottom. So she gets this chat and it's a, it's a person who has a lion picture. And so she 
you know, to contacts her, her boss. She says, Hey, we have this IT person. He's going to record all of your chats with this guy, record all your Skype videos. And he's going to help you with that. Cause she's not very good at it apparently. Um, and that kind of sets this platform of this, of this, um, I, I don't know. It's like, it's, I don't even know what to call it because I guess it's a relationship because as you get to see throughout the film, the way he, the way he approaches her is very dominant. And, and I was actually talking about it with my friend because um, I've been talking to it with it. Every person who would listen to me uh, because I find it so interesting. You know, I think the human nature as women and men, for so long, we live in a progressive world where women are, I am woman, hear me roar. And believe me, I understand it because I am that woman as well. I've been single for 10 years. Uh, you know, after getting divorced and going through that and experiencing what I did experience, um, I never wanted to go through that again. I never wanted someone to tell me I couldn't be something. I didn't want to sacrifice everything I was for man anymore. And I definitely didn't want to be put in a position where I could go through that divorce again, which was he wiped out our entire, he took me off everything. He wiped out our, our bank accounts and took me off everything. I literally had nothing the day after he moved out. The day after he moved out, he had already wiped out our bank account. He had taken me off of our insurance. He, um, he took me off of everything. The only thing he let me have was the apartment that we lived in. Um, but I really didn't have anything. And so I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like that feeling. And so after that, I became like, I am woman. I could do it by myself. I'm independent. And I fought really hard to have the life that I have. And so pushing past all that, it was really hard for me to kind of accept that the idea that someone would want to take care of me or, you know, not even, I, I even hate saying that it actually irks my skin <laughs> as I say that, but I think naturally, because we have so many passive men nowadays I think women naturally do crave a more dominant man. They're attracted to it because we're not used to seeing it anymore. And, you know, our dads, their generation were very dominant. Their generation was, I'm going to get it done. And, you know, at least I know for me and my friends, we all experienced all of my friends, you know, all of my friends and myself all experienced growing up and our mom staying home and our dad's working. I, I don't necessarily think that the world is that way now. I feel like, um, it would be very, very, you'd have, it'd be really hard to have that kind of life now, just because of how I live in California and everything's cr crazy expensive. You know, it's $5 for gas right now. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it is super expensive. And so I, you know, for me, I don't 
see myself ever not working. But the idea of, and, and this is a conversation that I've had recently, uh, everybody's so scared that of, of each other that everything has to be 50-50, separate accounts, you pay half, I pay half. And that really, for me and specifically, that sounds like a, a roommate. It doesn't sound like a relationship. And so I, I only like that with people I don't necessarily see myself going any further. And, but I know for me, if I begin to see that I might consider you as, as a partner, as a, as a, a spouse, um, you began to want to ask those questions, you know, 50, it, 50, 50 is just, it irks me when I hear that because I feel like you should be giving 100, 100. Every single person should be giving 100. It shouldn't be 50, 50. That's why this, the, the joint accounts are important. That's why keeping each other accountable and seeing, you know, how you budget, how you spend your money, you know, what, I don't think that you should walk into a relationship thinking, oh, they're going to tell me how to spend my money. I think you should already have a good relationship with money. If you don't have a good relationship with money, then you probably shouldn't be getting into a relationship. But, you know, it's it's the idea of we're budgeting, we're, well, this is the life we want to live, we, we're in agreement with the life we want to live. You know, so our money for like free time, you know, I, I personally, I enjoy camping. I enjoy, you know, going outside. I like being outside. I like being in water, like being in water. It makes me so happy. Um, so spending my money in that direction, as far as like in my budget, what is my play money? <laughs> um, that, that's how I spend it. Um, I, I, so I, for me, I, I would like to have that conversation before I enter a marriage. Like, you know, we're on the same page as far as like, we agree that this is a, we're going to budget and this is a specific amount of money that we're going to have for the month to spend on whatever, you know, and, you know, we're in agreement of that. It's not going to go past that number. You know, that's just how I am specifically, but, um, for other people, it's it's so like the, the you know the conversation I was having, it is some people could be so opposite, you know. Um I'm not a person who likes to um live in town. I don't want to live in suburban life. I like living out in the country, I like being able to have everything that I want, you know, um, and have the space for that. And other people they they want to live in an apartment and they like the city life. I like being close enough to a city to where I could travel to it and spend the day there, but I, I don't want to live there. So those are just conversations that people should have, but it's kind of hard to have those conversations in the first place. And you learn this from this girl that she's in a place where financially she's not doing well. She's in a relationship that she doesn't necessarily respect too much. And She's, she's drowning and she has this guy who sends her a spreadsheet of we're going to move into this apartment and you're going to pay this so much and I'm going to pay this much because I make more money than you. And so he's kind of demeaning towards her in that way. And so 
you know, and it's, I like the spreadsheet if they talked about it together, but you could tell with her, it was overwhelming. And so, because he didn't talk to her about it first. So, you know, this is the, you know, so, so coming into this relation, you know, this situation where now she's pretending to be this other woman, she's talking to this new guy and he's very like, I don't know. There's a lot of charm about him in a sense of, you know, he is, he is charming. He is handsome. He is, you know, very forward with her. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to, he's telling her all the things that women naturally want to hear. And as no matter what kind of independent, strong woman you are, those are, if someone's wooing you with, I'm going to build this life for you and I'm going to create something for you. It, it naturally, women naturally want that. It doesn't matter what kind of woman you are. You naturally want to feel secure. You want to feel confident that your life is not going to fall apart. And that's the way he made it sound. He was, he's very aggressive with, I want you. I, I'm in love with you. And those are things women want to hear. It doesn't matter how independent that woman is. And, and I think that that is why it's, it, she fell into the trap because you have to be aware of that. Me, I am an independent woman, but if, and I have a very strong personality and I have a very big presence and I have been told multiple times that I'm intimidating. Men are afraid to pursue me. So it is for me naturally very attractive when someone comes up to me at their own will and they're aggressive about it. I want to know you because I've had that happen before and it is attractive. It is attractive when someone is that dominant and they're like, I want to know you. And then after a while, they're like, I, I, I want you in my life. This is the life I want with you. And so I think we all just naturally want that. And it's hard to find nowadays. So when it does happen, even if it's the wrong person, you will fall for it because it's so rare. It's so rare to experience that. And I think we wouldn't have half the issues we have if everyone was like that. If you were just honest with what you want out of life, we wouldn't have those problems. But she's in this position. This man is being very charming. He is wooing her. He is showing her. He's not even really giving her the opportunity to decide if that's what she wants. That's how pers persistent he is. He's like, look at this house. I just got it. This is where our kids are going to sleep. Baby number one, baby number two, baby number three. He is literally just like shocking her with how persistent and aggressive he is being with the life that he's showing her. And I think that it she naturally is like, okay, well, show me what you actually mean by that. Show me what, you know, and so she's becoming more aware that she is in love with him. And that part is the part that's scary. And when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh my God, you forgot the assignment. You're falling in love with this guy. You forgot the assignment. And it's, it's so interesting because you're watching her and you're just kind of like, I, I literally had my hands on my face. I was like rubbing my eyes. I was so like stressed out watching this because I was like, this, this is intense. You're watching, you're understanding why she's going 
through it. But at the same time, you're like, oh my God, you're, you're going, you're going to die. And so she actually finds herself, she finds herself actually trying, because I mean, the, the, the whole purpose of the assignment was for her to, um, her, she was supposed to figure out how they're getting the girls from where they live to how they're getting there. So one is like, why are these girls persistent to doing this? What's attracting them to this lifestyle? And three, how exactly are they do? How were they getting there? Because the track records aren't adding up. And so she finds out that she had to get on a plane to Amsterdam. And then from Amsterdam, she was supposed to stay in a very specific hotel, get rid of her phones, get rid of this or that. And then she was supposed to get her another ticket to go to another place. I think Turkey. I'm not really sure. But Basically, there was all these like it looked the the pattern that they do it is to make it look like you're just traveling. So then you just disappear. You meet with someone in a specific spot and then you just disappear. So they, you know, it's pretty, pretty clever how it how the road goes. So this woman is on the phone with this guy and she's freaking out because he's yelling at her. She's, he's making her feel that was also the thing. And I think that's a pattern of abuse uh, is a tactic where they make you feel like you're the problem. You are the one that's doing wrong. And when you get into that mindset, it's hard for you to see the red flags that this is not a good, healthy relationship. And that's what he does. He makes her feel like she's the problem. She did something wrong. She isn't strong enough for this. And so at a certain point, I think she reminds herself, this is why I'm doing this. And so now I want to read. This came from her book. And... Um, Now I'm intrigued to read it. I'm probably going to get it. Um, one is called Losing My Religion in 2017. And then, of course, her book, In the Skin of Jihadist. Um, it's very intriguing to me. So obviously the movie is very different from what's being said. Um in the movie, they definitely make it sound like she was in love, but the article is different. I don't know which one is true. <laughs> I feel like if I was writing an article about me going undercover and I forgot my purpose in it and I ended up falling in love with a person, I probably wouldn't write that. <laughs> um, but ultimately, that is what it is. You know, his aggressiveness towards her to make her feel like she's going to be taken care of. I think that is very common in predators towards people who are looking for that. Um, and that's why it's so important that you are actually around someone and you feel their vibe and you know what they're about. I think that predators, when you are aware of their tactics, it's hard for them to really get you because there's nothing wrong with a dominant person, but I definitely feel like if someone is abusing you or if someone is controlling you, then they're, that's not dominant. And, and a lot of people mistake that from. And because he is a predator, his dominance is mistaken 
and really he's controlling and you end up in the movie she ends up hearing um him talking to another person and that's when she asks her it friend if what he's saying is true and i the friend translates it and says no he's his intention is to sex traffic you and so that's kind of when her reality hits of oh my god what am i doing you know and for for the article obviously from the book it it's more of a reality when she realizes how 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 um how uh dangerous it's going to be when she lands where he's telling her to go so i think that this is important for all people to understand and it's important for all people to really grasp because sex trafficking is real um it happens every single day in the easiest nonchalant ways possible sometimes it's through social media other times it's like through a physical kidnapping i've i've read so many cases one of thousands of cases that i've read which are it always attacks people who are looking for something specific when it comes to online um they'll always attack younger groups but it's they're not opposed to getting older groups you know there's there's no really any limit to age groups because it's a sex ring that's what they're doing or they're oppressing you to do what they want you to do as far as if you're getting involved in war tactics you're you're going to become a soldier or or you are a sex slave it, it's just so much stuff going on with that but just be aware teach your kids to be aware you know i i i tell my kids on a daily basis who they can get in the car with and who they can't just because someone says they're my friend or they're there to pick me up. That's not true. And I told them, don't fall for that. You know, if, if I'm having someone pick you up, you're going to know that I'm having them pick you up. You, it's not going to be a surprise. You won't have to question it. Um, but I would never put my kids in a position where they wouldn't know that person specifically. So, and I tell them that if you don't know them, don't trust that they're saying that they know me. It doesn't matter. You, you will know every single person I'm allowing you to get in a car with and which never happens, but you know, I'd like to make sure that my kids are well educated in that you know, online presence, don't be talking to people just because they say, you know, the perfect, the perfect example of that is um, my friend and I were, my best friend and I were reading about um, this woman and my best friend had followed her. My, my best friend loves like following YouTube YouTubers. She doesn't necessarily watch a whole lot of TV, but she likes watching YouTube shows. So she was following this woman who was like a home whatnot i don't really know because i don't watch them i don't really care i don't i've never been interested in youtubers or influencers i think the whole thing is stupid and it's for this reason because people can put what they want on the internet but they don't actually have to show you who they are so all these home you know decor home family pages i, I think it's all bs so this woman proves that to be correct. She, 
it, it later comes out that she was abusing her child. And um, so all those pictures of them just laughing and giggling and look at my home. It's so pretty kind of stuff. It was all BS. She was in a really bad mindset. She was abusing her kid. And ultimately the kid wasn't what she wanted and she gave the kid away. So you just don't know who these people actually are. And you can't believe social media. Social media will paint whatever, whatever thought that they want you to think, but they will never show their exact life, you know? And, you know, I've heard of influencers who are fashion designers and they literally buy clothes, take pictures in them and then return the clothes. They're making you sound like, oh my God, I'm so rich. I have all this stuff. Look at, you know, I've seen people tag, you know, I've seen, I've, I've heard, I've read stories of like a lot of those influencer well, they'll tag like um, a location or they'll tag like that they're in this hotel, but they aren't actually staying there. You know, they didn't pay to be there. No one paid them to be there. And, you know, they're just a lot of like lies, just people not being honest with their life. And so if it's not easy with just if it's not easy with just posting a picture next to a car and saying it's yours, think about all the other things that are going on on the internet and how easy it is for people to believe it. You know, when you hear, see those fitness people, oh, I got this body. You have this big giant butt because I do squats. Well, any person who knows science, squats don't make your butt that big. They work a specific muscle, but they don't make your butt that big. You have surgery, baby. Surgery. <laughs> um so you just really, you really have to pay attention to what your your mind is atten attending to and be aware that this could happen. If you have kids on the internet, be aware of who they're talking to, be aware of what they're looking at, be aware of what they're sharing and what, what, what is the, the post about? Like, know those things, stay woke guys, because this is real. People are getting trafficked on a daily basis because it's so easy just to slide in someone's DMs and tell them how beautiful they are. And that goes both ways for men and females, you know, like men and women are all victims to this. So be aware of that. And I think this movie is the perfect example for that. So if you if you want to watch something just to wake yourself up a little bit, go watch Profile. I'm not going to rate it because I don't feel like it's that kind of movie. I, you know, I feel like it's informational and, and do that. Even though they did fictionalize some of the situations, I think it'll definitely wake you up because the tactics that are used in this are tactics that all predators use. But at the same time, it wakes you up because... I don't even think in the movie that character realized how attracted she would be to someone telling her, I have you, I got this, you're mine. I'm going to take care of you, you know? So it makes you kind of more aware, like, what would I do if someone was to do that? I wouldn't do anything um, crazy because I've already experienced that before. <laughs> um, but when you have not experienced it before, it kind of wakes you up. Like, what, what would you do? How would you respond to this? You know, 
I don't know, but you feel like, I feel like this movie really is an eye opener and it keeps you aware of the world and what's going on and to really outsource your information because we don't get all the info. I didn't know any of this was happening. I didn't know any of this was happening. The news was not sharing all of this information. And so, like I said, I vaguely remember ISIS. So for me, being an American, it was, I mean, specifically in the last two years, it's been very, very intentional for me to not follow American news reportings um, and really search and dig for information. And I think that's watching this movie, you should too. You should really dig and know what's going on, especially if we hear something so vague like that, like we should really be digging in for information. So I don't know if you thought this was as exciting as I thought it was to really dig into this information. If you want to read the book, it's um, available on our um, Amazon and of course, all of your book apps to read. And um, I'm sorry it was so long. I just, this, I really nerded out over this. I thought it was, I became a genuine movie geek over this story. So I hope you look up that book. I hope you watch the movie and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. The actual, um, I want to read the actual article that she wrote. And so um, this is called Skyping with the Enemy. I went undercover as a jihadi girlfriend. When a French journalist posed online as a young woman interested in ISIS, she was soon contacted by a fighter in Syria. She proposed marriage, but could she maintain a double life? And this was published on May 26, 2015. Ooh, I have chills. <laughs> um, six years later. Wild. Okay. It was 10 o'clock on a Friday night in spring 2014. And I was sitting on the sofa in my one-bedroom Paris apartment when I received a message from French terrorists based in Syria. Salam, Akliam, sister. I see you watched my videos. It's gone viral. Crazy. Are you Muslim? What do you think about Mihadin? A journalist I had been writing about European jihadists in Islamic State for about a year. I created a social media account using the name Melody to investigate why European teenagers were attracted to Islamic extremists. I spent hours scanning feed filled with descriptions of gruesome plans. I had spent the night on my couch flicking from one account to account when I came across a video of a French Jahid who was about, who looked about 35. He wore a military, uh, military outfit and called himself Abu Bilil. He claimed to be in Syria. I would later learn that he had spent the past 15 years waging jihad all over the world. But for the moment, I knew nothing of the bellicose man on my screen, proudly unveiling the contents of his SUV glove box, a thick stack of Syrian pounds, candy, a knife, 
He removed any knife. He removed reflective ray-bans, revealing dark-lined black eyes. I knew that Afghan soldiers wore coal around their eyes. Still, seeing a terrorist with eyes made up like mine was surprising. He was good-looking. He spoke perfect French. With that, with what he, to me sounded like a very slight Algerian accent, he smiled broadly and beckoned viewers and called for hurrah leaving the land of unbelievers to join the Islamic country. I usually kept a low profile on my account. I didn't preach. I simply posted links to articles or videos such as this one. My profile picture was a cartoon image of Princess Jasmine from the Disney movies Aladdin. I tended to change my profile location depending on what story I was working on. Now I claim to be in Toulouse. I shared the video soon afterwards. My computer alerted me three messages sent to Melody's private inbox from Abu. And the last question he wrote, are you thinking about coming to Syria? Welcome Salam, I wrote. I didn't think a Jahid would talk to me. Don't you have better things to do? LOL. In reply to his question about Miradine, I wrote, I'm not prejudiced against fighters. Anyways, it depends on the person. I also told him I had converted to Islam, but didn't offer any details. I deliberately included spelling mistakes and tried to use teen vocabulary. I waited for his reply with a knot in my stomach. It, this seemed too big to be true. I had interviewed Mirhad Medin before, but never anyone over 20 and never anyone who expressed anything beyond the official propaganda. Of course, I have a lot of things to do, but here it's 11 o'clock at night and the fighters are finished for the day. Do you have any questions about the video you shared? I can tell you about everything going on in Syria. The only real truth, Allah's truth, we should talk over Skype. I'll give you my username. Skype was out of the question I suggested we talk another time. Bale understood he make himself available for Melody tomorrow. You converted, so you should get ready for your hurrah. I'll take care of you, Melody. Bale knew nothing about this girl, and already he was asking her to join him. I was disgusted. Going after a girl like Melody was so easy. I'd met a thousand girls like her. With limited education and guidance, they were vulnerable. I wanted to understand how European children were falling for this propaganda and to grasp the mindset of the soldiers who spent their days torturing, stealing, raping, killing, and their nights star staring into the computers and bragging. Perhaps this man would give me insight. For now, however, it was the getting late and my boyfriend, Milan, was due to come around. I called to tell him what I, I wanted to spend the night at his apartment instead. I didn't tell him how I spent the evening, only that I wanted to sleep next to him. That Monday, I rushed to the magazine where I had often do freelance work, eager to discuss my lead with one of the editors. I had forwarded him the videos of Bilil showing off the co contents of his car. He was stunned by how easily a contact had been established. He agreed that this was an opportunity, but reminded me that pursuing this would be dangerous. 
He assigned me a photographer, Andre. We'd worked together for years. He made me, we made a good team. I would agree to Bill's request of, to meet over Skype and Andre would take pictures. I needed to look 10 years younger, find a veil and somehow slip into, into the skin of a 20 year old woman. And at, an editor, a former reporter who would also be supervising my investigation, lent me a hajib and a black dress, a kind of dehilba. I was glad to wear the veil. The idea of Terrace becoming familiar with my face didn't thrill me, especially not with when he might return to France, his home country, for any moment. Andre arrived at my apartment around 6 p.m. He was one hour later in Syria. That gave us time to prepare before mail came online. We looked for the best angle from which the, to take pictures of the computer screen and keep me as possible. We had strict orders to prioritize our safety above else. I pulled Melody's floor length Debula over my jeans and sweater. When I returned to the living room, Andre burst out laughing. It's supposed to cover more of your forehead, he said, mocking me. He helped me readjust the, the hebab, and so it covered every strand of hair and showed only the oval of the face. I remember my rings and covered the tattoo on my wrist with foundation. Bale was already logged on to Facebook and waiting for Melody. Are you there? He asked impatiently. Are we meeting on Skype? Melody, hello, LOL, Melody. Sorry, Salam, Malkiam, are you there? It was time. I sat across legged on my, I sat cross legged on my sofa. It had high back, which hid most of my apartment and any distinctive features from the camera. Andre had also removed the photograph from the wall. He positioned himself in a blind spot behind the sofa. My smartphone was already recording and I had another prepaid phone, which would be Melody's. I had also created a new Skype account in her name. From a YouTube video, I worked out how to scramble the IP address. Listen, it's my job to recruit people. You'll be ready really when you're taken care of out here. The Skype ringtone sounded like a church bell. I took a moment to breathe and I clicked the button and there he was. Brill stared at Melody. His eyes were still accentuated with dark liner. He'd appeared to be Skyping from his car using a smartphone. He looked clean, very well-groomed. He was a proud man. His shoulders pulled back and his, chis, his chin thrusted forward. But I sensed that he was nervous. After he felt like an eternity, he finally broke his silence. Salam Alik, my sister. I made my voice as tiny, sweet, and bright as I could, considering I'd smoked like a chimney for 15 years. And I smiled. It's crazy to, to be talking to a mealhead in Syria. Melody said, impressed. It's, 
it's like you have easier access to the internet than I do in Toulouse. I share the computer with my sister and mom who takes it away from us a lot, even though your phone is newer than mine. I was given Melody a plausible excuse for future unavailability. She lived with her family. She couldn't always honor her engagements. Syria is amazing, said Bale. We have everything here. Masha Allah, you have to believe me. It's paradise. A lot of women fantasize about us. We're Allah's warriors. But every day people die in your paradise. That's true. And every day I fight to stop the killing. Here the enemy is the devil. You have no idea. The enemy steals from the and kills poor Syrians. He rapes women too. He attacks us and we're defending peace. Is the enemy the president of Syria? Among others, we have many adversaries. In addition to Bashar al-Assad regimen, he mentioned the al-Nusriya front and armed branch of al-Qaeda. Syrians and all those he considered infidels tell me, Bladel said, do you wear your hijab every day? Melody recited that, recited what I'd heard from the girls I'd met during my research who had secretly converted to Islam. I dress normally in the morning. I say goodbye to my mom. And when I, when I'm outside the house, I put on my delba and my veil. Good. I'm proud of you. You're doing this really brave. You have a beautiful soul, and you're really pretty on the outside, too. Bilal peered at Melody. She asked him to show her his surroundings. He claimed to be near Alpo. In recent, in reality, he was probably several miles from Isis' stronghold of Raqqa. He got out of his car, and his smartphone showed images of devastated Syria. No not a person inside. It was about 9 p.m. there and absolutely silent. Suddenly, men's thick voice broke the silence. Don't say anything, Bill ordered. I don't want any anyone to see or hear you. You're my jewel. You're pure, okay? Do you understand? Melody said she understood. I listened to the conversation. It was, I was able to distinguish the voices of two other men they greeted each other in Arabic, then French, which sounded like their mother tongue. They laughed, con congratulating themselves for having slaughtered them. Salam alaikum. What's up? One man asked. Are you putting in overtime or something? I'm on the lookout, brother. Lookout duty. Nothing special. Nothing happening here. This area is all cleared. You know what? The dried blood I could see on this concrete was evidence of recent attack. Isis black flags with white insigma floated in the distance. I listened to Bale talk about the verities of issues, including his impatience for the arrival of his American cargo and chocolate bars. The other men were quick to congratulate Bale. The exchange was short, but the way of their addressing him suggested he was higher in the ranks than they were. 
A minute later, he said goodbye to his fellow fighters and spoke to the phone, into the phone, worried Melody might have hung up. Oh, you're still there. Just as beautiful. I quizzed him about where he was and what he had done. You asked too many questions, he said. Tell me about you. What guided you to Allah's path? I was dying for a cigarette. I had had, hadn't had time to invent a history for Melody. I slammed. I slammed. One of my cousins was Muslim, and I was fascinated by the inner peace that his religion gave him. Does he know? Does he know you want to come to Al Sham? Blel assumed that everything had been decided for him. Melody would soon arrive in Syria. I'm not sure that I want to go. I said, "Listen, Melody. Among other things, it's my job to re recruit people, and I'm really good at my job." You can trust me. You'll be well taken care of here. You'll be important. And if you agree to marry me, I'll treat you like a queen. I logged off Skype as a kind of survival reflex. Pulling the hijab down to my neck, I turned towards Andre, who looked dumbfounded. We stared at each other. How was I to respond? Andre suggested explaining to Mel that Melody didn't want to live in Siri alone, if she decided to go all at all. Andre held out a cigarette, and I look, took a drag. Bilal was calling again. I disabled the phone video connection. Bilal would continue to co his conversation with Melody, but he wouldn't be able to see her. I felt if his face had invaded every corner of the room. I didn't want to see it anymore. My friend Yasmin is Muslim, I said, changing the subject, and she complains about not being able to practice her religion in Tulsa. I could invite her to come with me, but I'm not sure if she's allowed since she's a minor. Of course she can come. She's only 15. I fight for Sharia law every day here. Women are supposed to get married when they turn 14. If Yasmin comes, I'll find her a good man. Yasmin didn't exist, but I wondered how many real Yasmins were able, were being lured at that very moment by men like Bill. Bill, I have hang, I have to hang up. My mom is getting home. I'll be here tomorrow after the fighting at seven. Good night, my baby. I logged off. Andre and I were both surprised at how rapidly everything unfolded. Every morning that week, I woke up to find several affectionate messages from Bale, all beginning with my baby. I received more from him than my boyfriend. Over the next few weeks, Abul Bilal became a full-time job. During that day, I fact-checked his claims at the office. At night, my avatar took over conversations with him over Skype and coaxing out our new in, out new information, verifying it by tracking the latest battles online. I wasted a lot of time playing along with Bill's game of seduction in order to gain his trust. By now, he had good sense of the ways he recruited young Muslims, but wanted to know more about how his ISIS worked. My cover prevented me from asking direct questions, but I used Melody's fascination with the cause to probe him for details. 
Sometimes I was so shocked by Bill's words that I had to disconnect. But as I grew accustomed to these exchanges, what became less necessary as we spoke more and more, I felt as if Melody became closer to Bill, who spoke of their marriage. No one could understand the level of stress that this double life demanded. I carried Melody's outfit and phone with me at all times in case messages came through and I needed to speak to Bill. I even found myself in a bikini by a swimming pool talking to Bill on the phone as Melody and reassuring him I was surrounded by women and was covered up. He badgered Melody every day on Spike and Skype and Facebook. At one point, he was without internet access and insisted and instead sent a tender text message by 6 a.m. every morning. Have a good day, baby. Thinking of think of me. I miss you. My friends and coworkers started asking if I was getting too involved. My boyfriend didn't want to know too much, but when he came home and found me in Melody's garbs on Skype to Bilil, I began to feel as if I was having an affair. Milan wanted me to be safe, but I didn't want to know any more details unless I had to travel, and that suited me. Meanwhile, Melody's list of virtual friends grew. Her recent post on Facebook calling humanitarian Jihad excited new friends' requests and private messages. Her girls began asking Melody for advice on the safest route to Al-Sham. There are strange questions. Should I bring a lot of sanitary pads or can I find them there? Will I be able to find thong underwear there? I didn't want to reply, but where I felt girls were planning in imminent departures, I discouraged them. It had been nearly a month. Andre feared that the longer we let Melody exist, the more I was at risk. Until we put an end to this, he said, you're always going to want more information. I agreed with him. Of course, I hated Bilil and everything he stood for. I wanted him out of my life, but it was hard to stop because it felt the story was so strong. I put so much of my life into it, and I knew my curiosity had become unhealthy. Together with my editors, I planned the investigation denouement, and I had told Bilal Lasman and I would meet him in Syria. He gave me instructions. We should go to Amsterdam and then to Istanbul, where we would pick up a prepaid phone. Once Melody had made contact with Bilal there, he would send details. I really was going to put a photographer, not Yasmin, but would accompany. Bilal had told me, an older woman was to meet us there. Our photographer would capture her on film. We would continue on Kilis, a Tur Turkish city near the Syrian border. The story would end there with a photograph of Melody from behind looking at the border. We were finally wrapping this up. At least that's what I thought. A few days later, I was stuffy. I was in a stuffy hotel room in Amsterdam with Charlie, another photographer. A video call from Bilal came in. Salam Akum, my darling. Are you in, already in Amsterdam? I can't believe it. You're really here soon. I'm the happiest man on earth. I love you, my wife. I'd never seen him look so happy. Bilal was alone in an internet cafe. Yes, sweetheart, I'm here with Yasmin. We're flying to Istanbul tomorrow, but we, had to, we have to be careful. It's not safe here. 
tell me what to do. As usual, Leola was only half listening. You're so pretty, he said. Tell me about your trip. How, how did you pay for your tickets? I stole my mom's debit card and, and bought two tickets online. We brought our passports and here we are. Can we talk about tomorrow? Yasmin is a little stressed out and we'd feel like a lot better if we knew what was going to happen next. Okay, let me explain. When you arrive in Istanbul, you need to buy another phone. Throw away the one you got in Amsterdam and, make, and be sure to pay in cash, not with your mom's card. Otherwise, the cops will be able to trace you. Okay, where will the contract be waiting? Okay, no, nobody will be there to meet you. You'll need to buy two tickets for flight across the country. Driving would take too long. What do you mean nobody will be there? We arrive, you promised. This is what, this wasn't planned. I know, but it'll be okay. You're a big girl, aren't you, my wife? Dozens of Europeans make this trip every week. You can do this, my lioness. But it wasn't the plan, below. My voice frayed with genuine anxiety. We've gone over this many times. You were adamant, as, I, as was I, that the women would come meet us. You told me it would be safe. How many times have you told me nothing is more important than my safety? Listen to me, he said, his tone hardened. You are going to shut up for a minute and let me speak. I'll be a snap. When you arrive at the airport in Istanbul, buy two one-way tickets to Yerfra. Yerfra, going where there was suicide. ISIS was active there. I think you're being unreasonably hard on me, Melody said. All I asked was that you respect what you've been promising me. At the first sight of difficulty, abandon me. That's just great. Bilal's tone changed. I'd never seen him like this before. Do you think I'm an idiot? From now on, you're going to shut up. I'm part of a terrorist organization. You can't talk to me like that. Don't, don't you know who I am? I command a hundred soldiers every day. I haven't even told you a quarter of the truth. I'm wanted... I'm wanted internationally. That's why I can't even go to our cities in Turkey. I can only travel to Iraq. I'm 38 and you and your friend can't bring me down. You better tread lightly. The conversation came to an abrupt end. I tore off the hijab and rose to my feet. I called my editor-in-chief and explained. She told, she told me that the story had to end here. Euphra was too big of a risk. Two French journalists sent to that region by a radio station had been freed about 10 months of captivity from the hands of ISIS. The next morning we flew home. Melody sent Bligel a Skype message from the airport informing him that a strange man had questioned the girls. Yasmin and Melody felt they were being watched and had decided to return to France. Melody would take the trip alone, but for now she didn't want to endanger her or his her man or his uh, brigade. She would lie low for a while in Toulouse, given the situation that was best solution for everyone. And now I'm going to skip through. So I hadn't checked Melody's accounts for 24 hours. I'd plugged all my devices. The Dutch phone had been bombarded with messages. One Online stood out. Where are you? I swear Allah is going to pay. Enough. I deactivated my avatar's virtual existence, keeping only her Skype profile. 
Melody sent final messages apologizing so that her sudden disappearance wouldn't arouse suspicion. I had no intention of getting back in touch with him, but I hoped to curb his anger. The more Melody showed remorse, the easier it would be for Bladell to move on. After all, he had more important things to do. Isis was preparing to assault Iraq. Almost two months to the day, it would seize Mosul, Iraq's second biggest city. A week later, the magazine sent my article to press under a different name. For me, though that was only the beginning, the authorities fearing the terrorists would trace my address, my identity, have twice asked me to change my phone number. I don't live in my apartment anymore. For my safety, I can no longer report on ISIS and its network. Drastic safety measures have been implemented in my workplace. The authorities asked me to keep Melody's Skype account open for ongoing investigation and to keep an eye on threats towards me. I don't check it very often. Sometimes when I do, I'm greeted by terrifying messages. They start with someone claiming to be uh, Bilal's wife, beginning, began sending intimidating monologues filled with insults. I stopped counting the number of statements I've given to various branches of the police when it reached 254. The anti-terrorist judge asked to hear my testimony after my real identity started reappearing in a number of other of their files. At one point, news came that Belil had been killed, but today multiple branches of the police have classified him as alive. They have a thick file on him. He'd committed a number of crimes in France before leaving Syria. From theft to armed robbery. In 2003, he became an active jihad, and in the battle against the U.S. invasion of, of Iraq, that's when he met ISIS leader Abdul Bakar al-Baghadi, to whom he remained close. Between 2009 and 2013, after long trips to Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Libya, at the moment of Gaddafi's fall, he returned home to Robo in France without anybody's knowledge. He reappeared on the radar in the late 2013 when he was spotted in Turkey. He has three wives, aged 20, 28, and 39. They, they're all with him in Syria. He is the father of at least three boys under the age of 13. The, elder, the two eldest are already fighting in the front of Syria. Recently, a journalist friend called to tell me he learned from a reliable source that there was a fatwa against me. I spent hours searching the web. After a while, I found a video of me. It shows me wearing Melody's veil on my couch. There's no audio, but it does include cartoon characters of the devil and French Arabic subtitles. I've been in the video only once, but I remember every word. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Some names have been changed. Anna Irel is a fake name. This is an edited extract from The Skin of, of Judas by Anna Irel, published by HarperCollins. This article was amended on the 27th of May, 2015. An earlier version said that ISIS controlled Yorfa in 2014. This has been amended to say that ISIS active there. So, what 
This came from 